first off i want to say thank you to everyone who has listened shared and talked about this podcast it's really beautiful to see the impact of what we're doing together learning about these startups and you know getting inspired um, to make the right decisions and to learn from their mistakes so last week i got a message from one of our listeners and his name is joshua and let's hear what he has to say hello chisum Cynthia, thanks for doing this um, nice concept. And um, I saw this from LinkedIn, just to let you know. Um, and you actually distracted me in a good way, because I got to see what this is about. So thanks for doing this and putting this out there. Um, by the way, I noticed it was, I, I couldn't find you on Anchor itself. Um, so I don't know if you're hosted there or something. But yeah, thanks again. Thank you, Joshua. I really do appreciate the shout out and the uh, comment about um, how valuable the podcast has been. Um, regarding your question, your question, yeah, you can find our podcast on Anchor. Absolutely, you can. Uh, you can also find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else that you listen to uh, podcasts. Thank you again, Joshua. And so, yeah, guys, feel free to send me a message. Ask me questions. We'll definitely love to hear from you. And thank you for being so amazing, guys. Now, let's get into the podcast. today's podcast we're going to be learning about how two friends from college pioneered the idea for online invitations right the road was you know filled with lots of uh, ups and downs like every other story but this is quite special because it was in the time of the dot-com bubble yeah the dot-com bubble you should if you're in the startup world you should know what dot-com bubble is but for those that are not in the startup world and you're just hearing this for the first time the dot-com bubble is basically the time where the internet literally broke out and people got a vibe of you know what it felt like to browse on the internet for the first time connect with people from all over the world and so lots of businesses rose up at that time so there was lots of funds flowing in the direction of internet companies or tech companies and when um, it became clear that most of these companies are not making profit or um, in a sense there was a crash right so usually when there's a bubble there's some form of information gets out there and then the bubble bust Alright, so that's just like a brief explanation. You can just go online and also get uh, more details. This, this, there are so many articles that talked about dot-com bubble. This, just, this is just like a very simple explanation of that. So their company is called Evite. Now, back in the late 1990s, Al Lieb and Selena 
Tobacoala. Tobacoala wrote the code that would power the first online invitation business called Evite. At that time, Evite was the darling, right? one of the darlings of the dot-com bubble. You need to understand that having to send online invitations at that time was new. You know, right now we send all sorts of invitations. Google Meet invitations, uh, baby shower invitations, wedding invitations. So it's pretty like a very common thing. But at that time, it was very, very new. Right? Very new. And so Evite was one of the darlings of the dot-com bubble. And within two years of founding, it was valued at $150 million in two years. So when the bubble burst in 2000, so did Evite's value. Now, unlike other companies that rose up during the dot-com bubble, Evite is still around. Yeah, they lived to tell the story. As a matter of fact, invitations from Evite reaches around 100 million a year. Right? It's still one of the biggest players in the online invitation. But, as you know, it wasn't a smooth journey all the way. They didn't get here so easily, especially with what happened in the year 2000. I believe this is a really good story for us to, like, really listen to. I enjoyed the entire process of preparing for this. Because, in my opinion, right, Africa is currently experiencing a bubble. And as a startup founder, if you don't want to be found missing after the bubble bursts, you should definitely desire to learn and listen to the full story of Evite. All right, let's dive in. Hello, everyone. I'm Cynthia Ichisum, and welcome to Startup Stories with Cynthia. This is where we talk about the real, relatable, inspiring, and exciting journey of startup founders so let's get straight into it all right let's go back in time we're gonna look into the life of one of the founders selena right selena tobacoala as a kid really loved computers she was literally obsessed with them Right. She grew up in Ramsey, New Jersey, America, and she's a daughter of two immigrants from India. She loved to read. She loved asking questions in class. And she was also involved in extracurricular activities while in school. But this desire and this love for computers did not just you know, come up from nowhere. Her father was a great influence right her father greatly influenced her to get into computing her dad started off as a punch card um, programmer for a company called eds and he worked in that company for 25 years he rose up from that role as a punch card programmer to becoming the multimedia president which was just a few levels away from being the ceo of that company a really huge company it would frequently take her 
to work, you know, to interact with the amazing technology. And that really exposed her to the beauty of computer and computer science. Uh, She got access to see and interact with huge mainframes and servers. Every single trip was exciting and was really eye-opening for her. And then one day, he showed up to the house and bought... uh, uh, He came home with uh, a computer while she was really young, around the ages of eight to nine years. This new computer was the beginning of the journey towards learning and getting really interested in computing she started learning how to code how to build things on the computer her mom also got her involved in summer coding camps as well she she was literally the only girl in those coding camps and classes and this is actually quite astounding because if you think about it in the mid 80s who would really be interested in coding right it wasn't a normal thing to do i mean like now it's it's quite normal for you to have summer camps about coding there's a lot of you know energy around getting involved in computers and getting involved in computer science and programming and all of that but then it wasn't so right so with all these experiences it became really obvious to her that you know you know by the time i'm done with school i think i want to go study computer science as uh, as my course you know in college and so she applied she applied for that course computer science and she got into stanford university and this was in 1994 i know you heard me say stanford university because stanford university is one of the best universities in the world and getting into a school like that to take a course like that was a huge deal for her this is 1994 here she is at stanford one of the best universities in the world this was around the year early years of the dot-com boom so around that time there was this energy on campus about starting a company launching a, a startup and the energy was all around especially uh, around 1996 to 1997 and there was this excitement that you could literally um, hold it was quite tangible and there were all these internet companies springing up everywhere you had companies like yahoo and so on and so forth pets.com right and you know just that idea that you're a computer scientist you can literally just wake up and start a company uh there was that idea that you could do that because all you need to do is to be able to program and create incredible products right there wasn't just you know the startup energy the you know the vibe and the excitement of starting a company you know starting forward but there was also the fact that it was a school of one of the brightest minds in the world and so what happened to her was that all that self-esteem that she had before coming um, to Stanford literally came crashing down right because you know 
it was like this is a school where every single person is smart right and most times smarter than you and so because of this she ended up flopping one of the subjects a critical subject computer science right and this actually made her to begin to rethink the idea of doing computer science yeah she 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 began to she began to like wonder okay is this really what i want to do am i really good at this luckily for her she got a summer job at the it department of an investment bank and this was an offer from her friend's dad now this summer experience totally reshaped her thinking she was able to help the company build their first website she built an application that helped the company record their monday meetings now all these um practical experiences made her fall back in love with computer science made her believe in herself and this actually reaffirmed that she was actually good at computer science so um her first year in stanford in 1994 was also the time where she met our lib right our lib you know went on to uh, become a really important business partner and co-founder right um and they met at the all freshman dorm right our lib was just two doors down from her and Alib on the other side he loved computers right he was always building things and so they went on to build their first product in a sense which was the digital yearbook right and so it's supposed to be a yearbook uh, but digital form right so they took the product into uh into a multimedia cd and they distributed it to all the first year students right now later on while she is still at stanford in her junior year she uh got the opportunity to take a course that required that she you know go study in berlin for a while and she was supposed to be there for two quarters her fall quarter and her winter quarter now the winter quarter was supposed to be an internship so she was talking to all these you know german companies um trying to get like an internship there but in the process of doing all that Al sends her a message and says hey you know i'm i'm thinking of starting a company and you're the first person i thought of do you want to do it? do you want us to do this together and she thought about it and she was like mm, this is not a bad idea i mean there's so much going on right now in silicon valley about starting up a company there is no technology going on in berlin there's also no internship that she that she was excited about about and so she said yes and so that winter she went back to stanford and she started planning uh and they started you know they started a company together <laughs> they decided to work together and start a company now their first idea which was our leaves idea it was a pretty terrible idea okay and here's why the company was called udo works which meant object oriented template language interesting name you know for a company but that's fine they had this idea that they were going to help other people code 
using graphics they were going to democratize coding to every single person and so they went on and built the product and you know came out of the production room and they tested it with a bunch of friends who were not computer scientists asking them if you know they they could actually use this product that they had actually they built completely <laughs> so they said you know you know try it out what do you think and it became very clear quickly that it wasn't useful people who weren't computer scientists were not interested in coding i mean that's why they went i think that's the reason why they went to school to study something else but yeah they weren't interested in coding and and that was how the the idea had to like go under um and i think it's a really important lesson for every single person that's trying to solve a problem for another person don't think you know the problem better than you than the person you're solving it for right spend time learning about the problem interacting with the person you're solving it for and making sure that you actually get an an idea problem fit right and so that's why it's important not to build an idea from your office the moment you think uh, of the problem right the moment you're able to identify a problem statement that oh i believe someone has this problem or i believe this is a problem for this person head off to the users and confirm this there's so many tools for achieving that and um i think that's something that i'm going to also address on on linkedin as well but you know yes the first idea flopped woefully but they weren't ready to give up on the idea of starting a company and this is where the story begins in the next episode we're going to be learning about how they discovered evite and how they built it you know to the point where they were able to raise over 37 million dollars uh in funding vc fund and how the dot-com bubble bubble crashed their dreams and almost left them empty yeah it almost did that but you find it out in the next episode so stay tuned so there you have it thank you so much for listening up to this point i'm really excited that you stayed all the way to this point where you're hearing my voice but don't just give this to yourself share with community friends family startup founders that you know will really really need this and also send me a dm of how this has helped you or in what way you were blessed by it you can send me an email send me a vn i'll be really really excited to receive it All right, there you have it. I remain Cynthia Ichisum, and this is Startup Stories with Cynthia.